0: Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Summertime brings with it pop-up thunderstorms. I actually love a thunderstorm. Anybody like me love a good thunderstorm? Anybody just... Okay, yeah. Wow. We have a good thunderstorm congregation here. Okay. Except maybe on a Sunday morning when the hydro goes out, which is, you know. Um, I like a good thunderstorm. I like a good lightning show. I I know I don't go out and I don't, you know, have an umbrella or stand under a tree, but I like it. I just, there's something about it. It's just, it's bigger than everything that I normally and you normally see in a given day, you know, traffic and stress. It's just bigger than all that, and I just really like it. Don't like the damage necessarily, but... uh, I had a call from my son. He might be listening from Florida right now. But I had a call from my son, and he was in the middle of a thunderstorm yesterday. I had to wonder, is he calling me because he's in the middle of a thunderstorm, and he just needs to talk to mom and dad? And his dog was be- between his legs, you know, shivering, and-, and there was a nasty blaster coming in over their region, and, and talking. And-, and so a thunderstorm. So this story, I have a quick story. It's Father's Day. It's Dad's Day. A summer evening, a violent thunderstorm A mother was tucking her small son into bed. Nighttime. She was just about to turn off the light when he asked in a very trembling voice, Mommy, will you sleep with me tonight? His mother smiled and gave him a reassuring hug and said, Oh dear, I can't. I have to sleep with your daddy. As she began to make her way out, she heard him say, The big sissy. So, dads, we get blamed for certain things that not necessarily is ours to own. There are a number of quotes that dads typically have been known to say. I've pulled out six, and I've probably said all of them, some in more than one occasion. Here are some quotes dad tend to say. Quote number one, ask your mother. Number two, don't worry, it's only blood. Third one, do I look like I'm made of money? Fourth one, I'm not just talking to hear my voice. The fifth, we're not lost. And this is my favorite, don't make me stop the car. Would you go with me, Proverbs chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 3. So in Proverbs chapter 4, we're going to be reading that. It's a proverb of Solomon, King Solomon, thought to be a very wise person. Chapter 4, verse 3. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and only a child of my mother, an only child of my mother, he taught me and said, Lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live. I want you to catch that last verse. His father taught him these things. Here it was. Lay hold of my words, son, with all your heart. Keep my commands, and you will live long. Now, living long doesn't mean he's going to necessarily live to 100. It means his life will be full. There are those that don't have to make it to 100 and their life is full. There are those that make it to 100 and their life wasn't full. Lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Solomon was describing here his expectation of passing down to his own son what had been passed down to him. Words of wisdom, wisdom, of guidance, of direction and inheritance that he received from his dad that he now is passing down to his son. I thought that was a great text to launch this morning. We take here seriously here at Cornerstone Church our children. We take it serious enough that we will cut almost every other part of our budget but our budget towards our children and youth. We take serious our kids We believe that God wants and has directed us to be involved in our children. Our children in the formation, the early years of their life, need godly interaction. If you believe that, say amen. You believe that? We really do need to be involved in the raising and training of our children. And Cornerstone takes that seriously. We believe in, uh, even as a child, as a baby, we call it baby dedication. Where the parents, it's as much for the parents as it is for the child to have a baby dedication. We now call it child dedication because sometimes the child is much older than just a baby. Where we dedicate that child to the Lord. It's a blessing to the child. I believe it's a blessing to the child. But it's also as much for the parents. It's as much for mom and dad. Their obligation, I call it a sacred obligation, before the witness to each other, the witnesses there in the service that day, and before God, a sacred obligation towards their children. I remember very clearly, I imagine Lori does too, the dedication of our children. Our daughter, when we dedicate her, I remember very clearly the service, taking her to the front of the service, and being a part of that dedication, praying and believing and and grandparents being involved, and and that was, and then afterwards celebrating the dedication of our daughter. I remember our son when we dedicated him, and it was at a different church, and we dedicated him and and just the blessing, and it wasn't our church, we were pastoring at the time, but we went back and let someone else dedicate. It was our dedication of our children to back to God. It was very important. Families got together, Lori's family, my family got together, and we celebrated the dedication. Important. We do that here. The same custom here. As a matter of fact, when I do a dedication, I write out a letter. If it's a child dedication or an infant dedication, I write out a letter. And it has been so thrilling for me years later. In the letter, I have it written, do not open. It goes into a sealed envelope that the child will open on their 12th birthday. And so I've, I've been doing this long enough to see a number of those happen now, where the child opens it on their 12th birthday, and they read it. And it's basically, I'm just... Citing what took place on their dedication. The scriptures that were shared. Their parents having brought them before the Lord. And what the ceremony was about. Why it was important. And that God's plan for their life is so important. And that now, now they need to now move forward with the plan that God has already set in place for their life. And it has been such a source of encouragement. That we are not just a moment in time dedicating. But it's a lifetime of caring and nurturing and being involved. So we take that seriously. Maybe some of you have not dedicated your children, your young children, to the Lord, and so encourage you. you know, talk to us uh, if you have an infant. Uh, ideal time is in the first six months, eight months. We dedicated just a couple of months ago my granddaughter down in Florida. What a joy in dedication. Jesus, all the synoptic gospel writers spoke about Jesus. Mark chapter nine, Jesus took a little child had him stand among them. And taking him in his arms, he spoke over him. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 2, Jesus called a little child and had him stand among them. In Luke chapter 9, verse 47, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. All the gospel writers were in common agreement when they looked at how Jesus identified with little children. He pulled them in. In that society, they were pushed to the fringe. But Jesus invited. When there was a little child, He made room for a child. Come on in. You know, nothing blesses me. I was looking at it, came, it was a pop up on this morning. I, I jumped on Facebook early this morning, and, and it was a pop up. And and, uh, and Steph Curry, great basketball. You know, the Warriors. Go Warriors. And and Steph, and it showed Steph. I mean, he's I, I would be thrilled. This little child and Steph went over and he took his shirt off. In a practice, not in the last couple of days, I don't know when he did this, and he wrote this note of encouragement to this little child and gave his, his sweatshirt to this. Now you'd think, ew, but I know not with Steph. It's like, you grab that thing and, and, and grab that shirt. And I was just like, God bless people who bless children. They need blessing, they need to be trained. And Jesus is our model. What an example. He would, if he saw children, they weren't to be pushed away. They were to be brought close. Invest in that life because you got a whole life ahead of them that will see the things of God. I am thrilled some of you came to Christ late in your life. You know, uh, when I asked how many of his children came to Christ, a third of the hands went up. So that means two thirds came after childhood to Christ. Some of you, well into your adult years. But what it is to have a child who just, as a child, is a messenger for Jesus all through their life. What a privilege it is. And Jesus was the model for doing that. And after Jesus brought them into his midst, Jesus would add these words. He said, and whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me, who's leaning towards me, who is hungering To do right, whoever causes one of these to sin, it would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and drowned in the depths of the sea. That phrase, whoever causes them. Another says, whoever offends one of these little ones. That word that comes down from the word offense is from the word scandalin, where we get our word scandalous. And it refers to a trigger that springs a trap. And probably the best analogy is a mousetrap. You know those mouse traps that, that the thing came down and smacked them? And, and it has a little spot there that you put the cheese or the peanut butter and then you very gingerly pull it back and try not to get your fingers in it. You know, we've been there and done it. And that there little, you know, chunk of cheese or, or peanut butter on that piece of metal, that little clip, waits on a spring to be activated. That's, that's what offense means. You have sprung a trap. You've laid a snare waiting for a bite. And Jesus says, if you lay a snare for one who believes in me, it won't go good for you. That's the leaf it's not going to go well. Do not be a snare. Do not be scandalous. Do not bring an offense to a little one. These things will trap and slaughter their hearts and their future. You better not do it, he said. Don't do it. You know, some of the things that have sprung traps, I'm going to call it the dirty dozen. We need to avoid the dirty dozen. First of all, the dirty dozen is neglect. Neglect's one of the traps. The children who are impacted by neglect, the Bible says that a child left to himself brings their parents shame. Be careful you don't buy into a commonality that is in society right now, the proposition that just leave your children to figure it out for themselves. Don't buy into that. Because we understand the nature of sin, the nature of sin comes to a moment in a child's life. They know what's wrong. They have a sense of right and wrong, but they need curbing. They need direction. They need training. We call it discipline, enable to live to that which is right. There is right. There is wrong. It's not every in everybody's own eyes, and we need to curb that. And if we simply neglect it, the impact of neglect the impact of neglect, of leaving a child just to figure it out themselves. You know, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. We neglect our involvement in their life. Well, let them figure it out. I, don't, I want to be their friend. I want to be their friend. No, you've got to be mom and dad. If you're mom and dad, if you're a friend, you're a friend. If you're mom and dad, you're mom and dad. And the purpose of a mom and dad is to nurture and to discipline and to train that child in the way that that child needs to go. Who disciplines them while, I mean, if the child is just sitting and being, being educated by their friends, being educated by society, being educated by their devices and media, they will go a wayward way. Another thing, another offense, a trap, is impurity. When children are tainted by impurity. Children are so often tainted by impurity. Things that expose them in the moments of their innocence that bring about a shock to that child. And then that the real cha- tragedy is that child whose innocence has been tainted by an impurity becomes more and more readily acceptable of greater degrees of shock. That it no longer shocks them. In other words, they no longer see this thing as unusual or abnormal. It becomes life to them. Lori and I were part of a small group. Few years back, I remember on the day we met in our small group. Um, what was it? Mondays? Was it Monday nights? I think we would meet on Monday nights, and uh, we just got to the place. We hadn't even had the meal, and the couple had. They were the youngest couple in our group, and the young, the couple, the young couple, um, immediately had to tell us the story of their daughter, and they said, "We have to pray. We have to pray right now." Their 11-year-old daughter had gone to school that day. And the school decided, without the parents' knowledge, to show some very graphic porn for them to understand embracing everything regarding sexuality. And the child was so traumatized, came home and wept. She came in the door and she wept, ran into her parents' arms and wept and had to tell them, barely able to tell them what took place that day. She was tainted by impurity. We called it. Came right to our spirit. She was emotionally and spiritually raped in school that day. Her innocence was stolen. And so we prayed. The family came. It's not that they were avoiding, not negligent parents talking about stuff. She was thrust into something that was not those people's rights to thrust into her life. Mom and dad, um, be careful of the offense of impurity. Tainted by impurity. Number three, the other offense is ridicule. Where a child is demeaned by ridicule. Things like, you stupid kid. Or things like, why can't you be more like your sister? Or, you're just constantly a headache to me. You're going to be the cause of my death. You and I know that a child doesn't need to hear these too many times before they start believing it. Ridicule. Fourthly, poverty debased by poverty some children out of situations are forced to live in garbage but there comes a point if we're not careful that they begin to view themselves like the garbage around them what about abuse violated through abuse or the offense of those in authority have offended them humiliated by authority children are vulnerable by those in authority around them that's why we have cornerstone protection We take seriously. God, help us to not overstep a child's safety and the parent's trust. We take it so serious. So we go through training. We go through police checks. We do all of that stuff. Hold each other accountable downstairs. That's why we need multiple people. So we have accountability upon accountability. So that we raise our children well and they're safe. That I send my children. I know they're going to be safe. There's a standard in this place. I believe in that. I know you believe in that. Parents, you, you do not want to roll the dice on this one. Because all you have to do is roll it once bad. And the trauma is there for life. No, no, not God forbid in the house of God. God forgive, forbid amongst believers in Christ. Oh, yes, but it happens. And so that place of authority, authority when we have spoken words over them, People who they admire. It can be a teacher. It can be a coach. It can be a relative. It might be a remark that was intentional or unintentional. A disapproval that brings a wound to their heart and spirit. There's the trap of disappointment. They're bruised by disappointment. You ever had parent break promise? Break promise more than once? You know, Laurie and I cringe to this day. When we hear people making promises to their kids that we know that they are powerless to keep. They do it as if to appease them. They do it as if to get them to back off. I'm not sure why they do it. But we purposed in our life, don't make those promises. Just say, God will help me to do this. Because when you make promises, then when you hear that God has made promises, and this happens in the church, when you say, here's a promise of God... As a matter of fact, in my Bible, I have a hundred promises I've written down that God has given. But if I had grown up with people breaking promises, then that would mean nothing to me. And there's a lot of you who have a hard time believing in promises of God because you grew up because promises didn't mean anything. It's the offense of broken promises. What about divorce? Shattered by divorce. And often, I don't know of a case yet where there hasn't been a divorce in a home where a child has not felt it was their fault. They struggle with feeling somehow, somehow they're partly to blame. And it shatters them, destroys them. As much as the marriage is going, it disseminates, so does the family. The difficulty and all that. What about disability? I, I'm not speaking so much of a handicap as much as I'm speaking about a limited ability. Maybe you're uh, hyper, you know, maybe, you know, you need Ritalin. It's all... You, you've, been, you've been labeled. You've been labeled with something. And not that that... I'm not, I'm not speaking into that right or wrong. But be careful of the labeling. Be careful of where they don't measure up. Because then they will think that they can never measure up. And so they'll just live to that low expectation. And they live for it. Or children who are poisoned by pornography... All the stories of young boys and girls who over the shoulder of a father, now mothers, who have been watching, seeing something, gone onto their devices, the television, the stash, whatever it might be, that they haven't put parental controls, they haven't put proper, proper protection around their children, they allow them to close the door, have their own place and access to stuff, on it goes. Poison, poison, poison. You can't take that back. That stays. We can find Healing. What about battered by brutality? What happens when a person's spirit is downcast and broken? Proverbs chapter 17, 22 says, A broken spirit dries the bones. Now our bones are the source that feeds our blood system, which in turn feeds our flesh. Thus the Bible is saying that when a person's spirit has been broken, then even the very sap of life that runs through them, that gives them the sense of who they are is devastated. Is cut off. The very sap dries up. Or what about they're mocked for their appearance? Maybe they've got a birthright, a scar, something with their eyes, something with the feature of their nose, their uh, their, their mouth. Maybe it's their chin. Maybe it's their ears. Maybe right, you you can just go down there. They walk different. You know, their their feet are pointed in a different direction. Their legs bow in a different way. A limp, a, a deformity of some area. Their appearance and they're mocked for it frequently. No matter how they look later in life, it could all be corrected. Many of these, but most will regard themselves on the basis of the remarks that were made back there. The offenses. You know we have a great privilege, mom and dad. Today's message is titled "Father's Blessing." So, dads, I'm going to just kind of hone in. Dads, to bless our children, no matter what age. Some of us, our children are up and out of the home and you're into the now third generation. Some of you are still waiting for children. Some, I was talking earlier, are godparents. Wherever you are, there's two fundamental things. First of all, I want to mention the power of your gestures, dads. An arm over the shoulder goes a long way. An embrace. Can I suggest... Post-pandemic, dads embracing more than ever. A pat on the back, a steady hand. A whisper in the ear of quiet assurance. A snug tucking in the bed at night when you turn off the lights and spending a few moments to listen and talk and then pray. A kiss on the cheek, a tender hug. We call it the tender touch, the blessing of tender Touch, all they need it from dad. They need it from your dad. They need it from your dad. The loving touch of a dad, and then your affirming words. Words do make a difference. That old expression, uh, "Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can't hurt me." Quite the opposite. You know, you will heal from sticks and stones. Many people here today have never healed from the words. Words that affirm and approve. Words that commend and compliment. Words that specifically speak your love for them and your affection. Words that invoke hope and self-confidence. Words that answer pain and disappointment with support and faith. You can do it. You can do it. I want to bring us to this last Gesture, and I want this is the part I really wanted to focus on. Dad, I invite you that if you are to bring the power of blessing to your home, this could be at any age. Six stories you need to tell your children. Six stories you need to tell your children, and it will empower them for men and women of God. Six stories. Here they are. Story number one. Tell your children. Dad, how the Lord saved you. Tell them your story. There's so many children who don't know their parents' story. Tell your children how the Lord saves you. Exodus chapter 12. The Lord, it's the story of the Passover where they were coming out of Egypt and, and many children died in Egypt that day. But many children went on to the promised land who were saved. And what they were to say, the Passover celebration, which is to this day celebrated around the world, the Passover. We celebrate it. Easter, we celebrate it as Easter. We celebrate it as Good Friday and then Easter Sunday, the Resurrection Sunday. But tell your children the significance and the picture here was in Exodus chapter 12. Tell your children that God delivered you. Tell your children how he saved you. I enjoy when we as a church have communion. We do it every month. Normally the last Sunday of the month we partake in eating of the bread together and the drinking of the cup. The picture is of the Passover or even taken to the Lord's Supper when Jesus did it with his disciples. And then they did it in the early church. And they said, don't ever forget this. And it wasn't that it just gets into a rhythm of ritual, but that in those moments, you reflect on your salvation. Pause and give thanks again. Reflect on how great a salvation it really is. Reflect on how much it costs you. Reflect on how your debt has been fully paid. Reflect on because he has forgiven you much, you can forgive others little. Reflect on all those things. There's, it's endless. It's endless. It's a great time. One of the things we like to do here at Cornerstone is have our kids with us once in a while when we do communion. What a great opportunity. And those who are here with us online, that when you have communion, then take the emblem of the bread. Take the emblem of the cup. I enjoy doing that and watching some parents do that where they just turn to their child and again say, let me tell you my story. When I began to partake of this bread, when I began to partake of this drink, what Jesus did in my and tell them how you came to Christ. Do they know? Dad, sometimes we aren't good at telling the stories. We need to be good storytellers, Dad. Tell your children how you were saved. Secondly, Dads, tell your children about the Lord's miraculous provision for you. Let them know. We take this from Exodus chapter 16. God was telling the high priest Aaron to set aside a portion of the manna that would be set aside in the Testament for future generations. And it would live on for year after year. In other words, the manna, the story of the manna. If you want to look it up, you can read the story in the Exodus where God supernaturally provided food for them when there was no food. God provided what they called manna. So tell your children. Dad, is important. Let your kids know the times throughout your life that God has provided for you. How God has been there for you. I am thankful my parents did that. My parents lived through the Great Depression. So they told me, during the times when there was no food, God provided for us. They told me when the wars were taking place. My parents have lived through both the major wars, World War I, World War II. How God provided. When all the supplies were gone, how God provided. How when they first got married and there was no money. How God provided. Dad, do your kids know about God's miraculous provision. How he's provided for you. Tell your children. Tell your not once. Tell your children that they understand the Lord provides. Amen? amen? Number three. That was a lot of women that said amen there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Women, don't you do the amen here. Guys, Amen. All right, all right. Okay, number three. Tell your children how they've, (laughs) tell your children how you failed, but that the Lord forgave you. Number 16 is a story where a group of men decided to do and worship God their own way. It didn't go well. Devastation came upon them. Judgment of God came upon them because of their sin. And then what happened because of that the censers that they sinned in were to be hammered, and they covered the brazen altar where the sacrifice was made. And here's the point, dads: don't shy away from telling of the times you have failed. Don't shy away from don't have to don't give the details for pity's sakes. You know, you don't want to bring trauma. You failed. The times you have failed, and you've rebelled against the Lord. But then how God took your failure. Failure and turned it into a living sacrifice today. Tell them the story. Tell them the story of where, and that's what happened in the story of number 16. The failure now became part of God's mercy. And how my failure, God has taken me out of my failure and has raised it up for his altar of sacrifice to touch other lives today. Tell them your story. Of an in your failure, God turns it into a victory. They need to know that. Because they, they're well aware of their failures, how God turns it into victory. Dads, tell your children how God has guided you. How has God guided you? Have you verbalized it? How has God guided you? Joshua chapter 4. As the children of Israel came out of the wilderness into that wonderful promised land. How God miraculously opened up the way to cross over this Jordan River. And when God opened up the Jordan River, God told them, told the priests, I need you to make these stones of memory. That when the waters come back, you will come back year after year, generation after generation. Point to the river and say, God opened it for us. Because he has a plan for your life. Let them know how God has guided you miraculously in your life. Brought you to the place where you are. That you might show them that in the midst of your struggles, God will guide you into your promised future. Tell your children how God has led you today into a better place than you were yesterday. Let them know it. Tell your children how God has guided you. Number five, dads. Tell your children how God has delivered you. Esther chapter 9. It's a story of where an entire race was going to be annihilated. And yet through Mordecai and Esther and just God's hand in the middle of it all. He brought deliverance upon a people. And it becomes the Feast of Purim. The Jews still celebrate it to this day. The Feast of Purim. And that feast is so that you never forget how God has delivered you. The enemy was bigger, but your deliverer is bigger. Yeah, God has delivered you. I put my hand on the side of my face. I have a scar on the side of my ear. When I was five years old, I had a a massive surgery. When I was a young child, a little toddler, I had multiple ear infections. And my parents were nudged by the Lord, and one particular ear infection Take him to the doctor. And after that, they insisted he, me, go to a specialist. Back in the day, they didn't have a whole lot of specialists. We had to travel a long way. Went to the specialist. The specialist took a look. And within 24 hours, I was on the operating table. they operated. They removed a mastoid bone. And the doctor had explained it this way. Dr. Hutchinson, who was my doctor for years. Late Dr. Hutchinson. He explained it this way. He said that bone had so deteriorated that... It was like an explosion. The least of what would have happened, had it gone, it could have that's why within 24 hours I was that bone had to come out. That the least that would have happened, I would have been paralyzed. Had it had it gone that way, I would have been paralyzed on the side of the face. That's the least of the problems it could have taken my life. And so my parents told me how God delivered me. They told me other stories of God's deliverance in my life. God has delivered you, son. Your life is a miracle. Tell the stories of God's deliverance in your life. How God has had his hand on you. How he has spared you in your growing up. What story do you have to share to your children? So dads, tell your children about how God has delivered you. And number six. Dads, tell your children about God's judgment and God's mercy. Tell your children about God's judgment and his mercy. Joel chapter one. Joel was told to tell the children... The judgment that was coming on the land because of their sin. Tell the children, judgment is coming on the land. In this particular case, it was referring to locusts, grasshoppers, that were going to chew the crops until there was nothing left to eat. Judgment was coming in the form that it would chew down all that was good. Dads, we need to take responsibility to teach our children that human sin is like the insects of the field. Human sin chews At our world. Human sin chews at destruction and destroys our society. Sin, the sin nature continues to chew and chew, it gnaws at you. That's why the Bible says you need to die to the flesh and live for Christ because sin chews away. It chews, it's the locust that you can hear it chewing away. Remember last year we had the gypsy moths? Weren't they freaky when you went through the forest and you could hear them eating? It's just freaky. You can hear them chewing. I've been told that if locust covers a field it's it's amplify that a hundred times. You can hear them gnawing it's, You can just they just destroy every every good thing. And we need to in some way recognize that is what sin does. Dad, do your kids understand the destruction of sin? Chews away at what God made you to be. And there's judgment. There's judgment when we succumb to such things. Tell the children the power of sin. But in the same breath, tell your children of God's mercy. His mercy is new. Every morning I wake up to a new brand of God's mercy. And His mercy over the the sin is chewing. But His mercy, you don't have to let it chew that. You can stop. You can turn to Him. You can surrender. You can call on His name and He is there. Interpret for your children and how they understand it in in their language So they understand what's going on in the world around. Don't you let the media tell them. Don't you let simply teachers tell them. Don't you let, you know, whatever tell them, their friends tell them. Dad, you need to be the number one person. Helping them understand the effects of what the enemy chooses, And then do what Joel did. Call your children to join you to pray for this great country. Get them to join in prayer. We can help change this son. We can help change this daughter. They can be three years old, four years old, five years old. We're going to pray for our prime minister. We're going to pray for our premier. We're going to pray for our mayor. We're going to pray for counsel. We're going to pray for those who lead us, not just criticize them. We don't need more kids coming up and pointing like a bunch of Pharisees and telling us all the problems. We need them to be active in prayer, believing God can change a nation. And dads, you can lead that. You can be the front runners where you stand with your kids, leading them. God's mercy. Call your children together to pray. Show them how to pray for this dying world. Show them how to pray for church. Show them how to pray for their neighborhood. Show them how to pray when there's drugs and there's things going on all around them and there's abuse that they pray. Cultivate in your children a compassionate heart for the lost. Avoid raising a breed of religious prudes. We don't need more prudes in our nation. We need those who will pray and then will stand in the gap themselves. So teach your children that the Holy Spirit has raised you, son. You, daughter. He has raised you. You will prophesy. You will speak into this generation. You will come alongside and together we will see God move. Again, in this day, teach your children to expect God in his mercy to flow through them. Dad, wow, that's a lot I told you. But dad, what a day we live in. Tell your children the stories. Let me just reiterate that. Tell your children how the Lord saved you. Tell your children how he's provided. Tell your children how he has forgiven you, how he has guided you, how he has again, delivered you from your sin, how he has taken you through judgment to his mercy and that you are part of the answer to the sins of this world. Tell your children. And we come back to that scripture that Solomon spoke where he said, lay hold of my words with all your heart, keep my commands, and you'll live long. You'll live long.